Reaching the Summit Women's Basketball Podcast is dedicated to supporting the Summit League and its student-athletes by commending their accolades and talking hoops. This podcast is hosted by a washed-up NAIA golfer, avid sports fan, and jackrabbit at heart, Madison Van Walligan Boston. Women's Basketball Podcast. I have everybody's favorite non-reaching the summit podcast host, Brandon Geffrey, with me again tonight. Brandon, say hello to the fans. Hello, fans. Hello, fans. <laughs> um, Brandon and I had a good time at the Summit League tournament. I didn't have a bad time. He didn't have a bad time. He never has a bad time. I don't know that he remembers all of the time, um, but he did not have a bad time. I remember all of the time, uh, and I remember the three or four days it took me to recover from having so yeah. We're- yeah, um, I do just want to point out that the night of the championship, it was not me who kicked the beer over. It was definitely Derek. <laughs> I believe you. I'm not. Said it happens every year. Somebody does it, so it's not. And actually, somebody <laughs> somebody kicked one over the night before as well. That wasn't in our group, though. It was like somebody came to say hi and then kicked a beer over as they left. So it happens all the time. Never nice. fails. Um, I had to get I had to get beer off my Air Forces. <laughs> so, which is very unfortunate. I thankfully did not get any over my green and gold hay dudes that we that we got this year, so that was that was solid. I think that the beer was only on the bottoms of it, but there was something on the top that we had to wipe off. But if I I love the canvas look, like I love the way they look with the canvas material. However, um, I would go with the other stuff next time. I think because it's so much easier to clean them. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah, but I do love the way it looks. Um, okay, well, tonight we are going to talk about the Summit League tournament. I would say briefly, because that's not our focus tonight, but we know that we failed to be brief, so, and there's a lot to talk about there. Um, we will then talk about our three teams in the postseason. Um, Mallory Bernhard and her last presser said, you know, we're praying for a way to continue the season, and the WBI came knocking. And now they get three more games. So they're almost, I mean, it's not the NCAA tournament and it's not obviously where you, your first choice of where to be, but they get three games now guaranteed. Um, So hopefully they can go out on a high note um, like they would like to. Yeah. Three teams and three different tournaments. That's kind of, that's kind of neat for the summit league in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, UND is in the WBI. They will be in Lexington. I don't know if I'm going to get up there. It's a good six hours, but I would like to. Um, And then North Dakota State is out in Oregon. I will not be getting out there. Um, Here's the bad thing. All three teams are playing on Friday night. (laughs) 
I know. So that's not great, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and South Dakota State, obviously, in the NCAA tournament in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, my husband texted me and told me that we got the nine, and I was like, dude, that's so great. Where? And he was like, Blacksburg. And I was like, let's go, right? Because that's a four and a half hour drive for me. And I did get my first ever NCAA media credential, and I'm so happy about it. So yeah. I will be in Blacksburg this weekend. That's pretty huge. Uh, that's awesome. That is one media credential I would definitely apply for. Most of the time, I just, you know, want to party and not do anything media when I'm at a basketball tournament. But I think the NCAA would be pretty neat. I am so excited. You're cutting out a lot, so I don't know if it's cutting out in the recording, um, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I I hope not. I guess we will find out. Um, yeah, okay, let's start with the Summit League Tournament. I just want to say, especially to those of you in the group chat who are like, did anybody see this coming from Kansas City? Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. I told you that the women's bracket was going to blow up. And it did. I didn't say Kansas City was going to make a run into the semifinals. But I did say, heaven forbid, Kansas City could walk on water. And they sure did. Just that. Um, And they weren't the only ones, right? St. Thomas won a tournament game. Brandon, are you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm agreed with you. Uh, every, okay. Every two through four seed lost. Uh. And yeah, I, I mean, I told you guys in the the preseason pod when the, the Friday night game, I said if I'm NDSU as an NDSU fan, I much rather would have played Denver than Kansas City because I felt like Kansas City was the more dangerous team at at the moment. And turns out I was right. They, they definitely yeah. were. So um, we'll we'll get into every game but things to point out um we have three well three or four depending on how you look at it um three coaches new to the summit league four new to summit league postseason play counting ruth sin so ruth sin in her second year in the summit league first year of conference tournament eligibility gets her first division one postseason win first summit league postseason win um Kelsey Music gets her first Division I postseason win, first Summit League postseason win. Deanna Jackson Jarrett gets her first Division I postseason win, first Summit League postseason win, and first win ever as a head coach. She was the associate head at Texas, but as the head coach, her first head coaching job gets her first um, win and actually gets two of them. And then Carrie Banks making it to her second championship game in three years in her first head coaching job. Like there's lots and lots and lots of good stuff going on in the league right now. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, NDSU, Jory Collins, fairly, you know, fourth year, got his team to two seed, got into the NIT, something NDSU's women's program couldn't dream about four years ago. And UND as well, playing in a postseason tournament and, you know, you know, none of these teams have been D one that long, um, but correct. You know, there it's it's been long enough that uh, it's finally seems to be turning turning a corner, and that's that's awesome for the league as a whole. 
Um, unfortunately, you know, the USD and SDSU, not as dominant to get two teams in the NCAA like we have had before. We didn't have those two teams in the league this year, but I think the league as a whole has improved drastically. Um, and I think there's a lot, a lot more competitiveness. We'll see if that hurts or helps the league. I'm not entirely sure what it'll do for that postseason. It would really need to get two teams into the NCAA tournament. But, you know, if we get multiple teams into postseason tournaments every year, even though it's only one in the NCAA, that'll still be pretty great. So, um, yeah, definitely hoping the teams continue to to improve. I think um, we're seeing some of the the iron iron sharpens iron mentality uh, across the league. Of you know, everybody's been chasing that SDSC USD teams, and some of them are starting to catch up. And um, obviously, that means we won't have teams going thirty and two, or you know, twenty eight and four as often. But uh, I think that's better for the league as a whole to have a little a little more parity and to uh, get more teams into postseason play. And if those teams can make some noise in postseason play, even better yet. Yeah, and everything's a springboard, right? Um, who was it? Cleveland State that won the WBI and then had like an insane year this year or something like that. I mean, it's it's even if you're playing in the WBI that's still a springboard, right? And Mallory has said, like, they're happy to be playing. They, Like she said in the presser, we just want to keep playing. These girls are not ready to quit yet. And here we go. Now it's an opportunity for them to springboard, right? And not to mention, they've been springboarding ever since that ugly interim season that she doesn't like to talk about, yeah. right? They went from two a two-win season to a 15-win season to higher than that this year um, and an opportunity for postseason play and Mal congrats on the contract extension. Well-deserved. I thought it should have been longer as did some other people. Um, I agreed with that point when it was brought up in the group chat, but well-deserved just want to throw that out there. And to Paul Sather too. I know we don't do men's, but Paul Sather on his contract. Yeah. I think, um, the one note I have, I saw a lot of people complain about it. I kind of kept it to myself, but the one thing I think about contract extensions, not being as long is with the, all of the commotion and the movement between conferences and everything that's going on uh, and pro- program trajectories and this and that, I think doing shorter extensions uh, actually allows for the coaches to potentially make more money on their next extension, depending on how the teams are doing, how the conference is doing, where the money's going, that kind of thing. So you do a five-year extension at you know a 10% pay increase, now you're stuck, kind of stuck with that for five years until you do another extension. But if you only do it for three, and then you extend another three, you get another, you get another bump in, in pay and media rights. You know, if, in, if the Summit League comes out with some sort of streaming network, then there's some bump for shows or something like that. So length of extension is less important to me than getting the extension and making sure it's long enough that you can go through a, a four-year recruiting class, which is what I think is, is the most important part. That's valid. I mean, I just personally thought it looked bad. Like, how do you take a team from a two-win season to this and get a three-year extension? Like, to me, I was just like, mm, snub. However, they extended both coaches through 25-26, so it is the same. Like, whatever's going on is the same. So, like, that's fine, whatever. But Yep, and there's some, you know, some schools have, whether it's a school, whether it's, you know, the states or whatever it might be, some of them have. Right. Extension requirements that they can't go above and beyond. So it may just be a situation like that as well. But um, 
as long as they're, I know ASU's been extending days kind of behind the scenes. There's not a big pressure or announcement about it, but they kind of tack two to three years on every, every couple of years. And I think he's signed through 26, 27 now. Um, but they haven't done like a five-year extension at all. It's always been a couple of years at a time. So maybe North Dakota has one of those through their state. Like a specific state board. thing. Yeah. yeah. State board of higher education says you can't extend, you know, for longer than whatever term. I, I don't know for that for a fact, but I know that some states do have that. Could be. Could be. Um, let's. Let's start with MDSU since you're here, Brandon. Let, well, do you actually do you have any do you have any um like remarks about anything else in the tournament before we go to postseason? I guess. Um, no, the tournament's a blast. I think you know the Denny's a great place for it. I know you know everybody was getting on Paul Mills for it, and he came back and paid his words because he won. So that was nice to to see when it was done. Um, but. Great attendance again, probably a little down because it wasn't SDSU, USC in the championship, but it was pretty dang full uh, Tuesday afternoon for the SDSU championship game. And um, I'd find yourself a better mid-major women's attended tournament there. You you won't. Uh, And so it was was really great. Um, Even decent crowds for, you know, obviously they weren't cheering for one specific team or the other, but they're just a fair amount of people. Um, throughout the women's tournament and that's you know great for those girls to get to play in front of those crowds especially ones from like you know st thomas western where they don't draw more than a couple hundred people so to have even if it's four or five thousand uh to play in front of whether they're cheering for you not still still a fun environment so love love the summer league tournament it was well put on it was a wild weekend on on the women's side started with with the Kansas City Denver game on Friday night, that was just ridiculous finish, uh, and just kind of carried on through there. So, ton of fun. Can I? Okay, I have to point something out. Um, that Kansas City Denver game, right? Um, Sinai throws up the shot at the end, goes in. Immediately, my eyes go to Dosha, right? Because I want to see the reaction. This girl is smiling. <laughs> Dosha has a grin on her face. And like, I know that the, that's not to say the loss didn't hurt. I know it hurt. Right. You know, it's like, she talked about that in the presser. Like it's a tough way to go out um, when they didn't necessarily play to their potential all year, you know, and then they had the lead in that game. So like, it's not, I'm not saying that she like didn't care or anything like that. Um, Cause that's false. But the, just the way that like the love she has for the game. And I think that's something that just, that just runs through the league too. Right. Yeah. The fact that she got beat on a last second shot in the conference tournament and she's sitting there smiling. I so, was like, I mean, what else, okay, can you, like, what else can you do about it at that point? You know, exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. Also, listen, I don't even remember who I was talking to about this. Um, but this whole Kansas City run, like, I, I want to do something. I want to, like, produce something, put something out there about that. Um, but that's beside the point. Could this shit not be a Disney movie? <laughs> like, quite honestly, The Mighty Seven. It's literally a Disney movie. Like, it needs to be made. And someone was like, well, what do you, like, what's the plot? And I'm like, the horrific season they had and all the adversity they faced. And then, like, the the miracle tournament run, right? Like, not all, you don't have to, they don't have to win in every single movie. And someone, whoever I was talking to was like, well, there has to be more than that. And I was like, okay. Well, first of all, Mana's the main character. Oh, I just knocked my microphone over. Um, Mana's the main character because Queen Mana Mansa, nothing else needs to be said, right? And then... 
you have Trinity Moreland who has to come off the bench as a freshman, right? And you can get your little cathartic, like character growth thing in there. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's it's a Disney movie. You got the injury bug going in and going out, you know, and yeah, no, it's it was great, except that they beat NDSU because NDSU and I said it, I said it in the podcast before the summer league tournament. I was like, if NDSU not the way they've played away from home, if that, they come out and play like that, they're going to get beat. And they, and they did, they came out, they turned the ball over. They didn't shoot very well. Um, they, they followed too much on defense and, and it, it cost them and they played like they had on the road. And so I really hope that they figured out, I think I hope they'll play loose at the NIT. I think they just, when they get outside of, uh, the shack, they just, uh, you know, they get a little tight and they, they try to do things the right way too much and forget that it's a game of right. basketball and they just need to let loose and play. And I think the expectations and the pressure might have gotten to them a little bit. I mean, they've never been a two seed and they knew they're supposed to get to the championship game and they knew they're supposed to give SDSU a run, but they got to get out of the first round first. And I think that pressure uh, also might have played into it a little bit kind of their first time having expectations um, may have played a role in that Jory's not going to make excuses. None of those girls are going to make excuses, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was part of it uh, as well. Well, and so I want to bring up something. Um, I think Aaron Johnston said this in his first presser um, when they beat St. Thomas. He said, it's always different. We were talking about their slow start. And he said, it's always different when the team you're playing has played before you right in the yep. tournament and i think that Kansas City coming off that hot win after especially after the season they had like just it almost fueled their fire more so like as many things as NDSU could have fixed or mistakes not been made like Kansas City had that extra well they, they won on the last second shot i mean you couldn't you can't come into a game on a bigger high than that with more swag than Correct. that be playing more loose you're on house money you got nothing to lose there's seven of exactly. you. Exactly. Nobody expects quite you to literally do. nothing to lose. Yes. No, like if they, they are down to their anything. last player. Yeah. And so uh, I actually, when I had Todd, I we were talking about that on the men's side on whether playing Friday night, like, would you rather be a six seed and play the three or would you rather be a seven and play the 10, get in the arena, get the juices flowing, get a W before you have to go take on one of the top teams in the league. And you still you get the day off, so yes, you have to play four games instead of three, but you do get one day off versus having to play three games in a row. So, you know, and his point was kind of, you know, if they do it, then we say, yeah, that was great. And if they lose right away in the first round, then you say, oh, no, not not so great. So I think you, you get both right. sides of it. But in the Kansas City situation, it didn't matter if they were a one through ten seed. They, they had seven players left. And so it really – didn't matter at that point. Um, they were going to play loose regardless. So it was it was wild to watch. They they were definitely a loser team during the NDSU game. You could you could see it in the way the teams were playing. Um, well, to quote Mallory Bernhard, it's easy to play loose when you cannot get yanked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what she said in the presser. He's <laughs> like, it's easy to play loose when coach can't pull you out of the yeah. game. What are you going to do? Take me out and put in. Nobody? Like, who's going to play? We're going to play with four? Like, what are, what are you going to do? I used to have a um, professor in college. I went to Dakota Wesleyan, so it was like a one-person department. All my major classes were with the same person. And she she was a little crass. She's older. 
Um, and she would like, I, sometimes I would question her. I'd be like, are you really like going to say that in class or, you know, whatever. And she'd be like, what are they going to do? Fire me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the same, like literally, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You can't, you can't get rid yeah. of me. Yeah. No, it was, it. it was fun. It was a blast. Um, the, the other games are great as well. I mean, there, there weren't really any bad games, uh, that went on in that tournament. Obviously SDSU rolled like everybody kind of thought they would, but, um, Outside of that, you know, it was a it was a fun tournament, and I think they're only going to get better as as we keep going. These keep teams and new coaches keep building uh, rosters throughout. And on route, yeah, uh, she sat in front of us um, for a bit on that second uh, Friday night game after they played, and um, on Saturday night game after they Saturday, played, yeah, after they played and got to chat with her a bit. She was. She's that woman the saint. She's she was a blast and tolerated us being obnoxious and was encouraging it. And she was yeah, she was great. She was. I am awesome. obsessed with her. I know I came over to you literally ten minutes later, and you were like, "Oh, you just missed Ruth," yeah. and I was like, "I missed, I missed Miss Ruth." Oh yeah. my gosh, I was so sad. Yeah, she had sat there for the um, like the whole first first quarter and a half. I think I think you came over at halftime. Yeah, and she <laughs> she was she was gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if anyone missed it, um, all-tournament team on the women's side, Haley Timmer, most outstanding player. Then I think we had Paige Meyer, Maya Sellent, um, Elena Pilacuda, Elena Pilacuda, excuse me. Elena, you've not corrected me for the past, like, three years, and now it's Elena stuck in my head. Um, but it is Elena, so say her name right. And then, um, Mana Mensa, that is your tournament team. Also... It really should be like six or seven, you know, I just, because here's the thing, like, and you can make arguments for anyone. I know that, um, I seem very Kansas city biased because I'm just so impressed by them. And I know that they did not make the championship game, but how do you leave the woman who played 120 minutes over three games? If you don't do math, that's three games that she played three complete full games yeah. did not sit a second out. Like, how do you leave her off the, you know what I mean? They yeah. like literally would not have gotten that far without her. Right. Um, it's just, yeah. And like Hannah Cooper, like they're just, it, it, we needed a good seven people. Yeah, and team. you know that so you're not going to get the points because you don't play as many games, and you're not going to get this, that, and the other thing. And I get it. And most of the time, the the tournament team is made up of four or five players from the you know from the two teams that are in the championship, and maybe one that only made the semifinal. But um, that and that's kind of the way that goes. But yeah, I, that's what regular seasons are awards for is the performance all the way up to that point. So the tournament teams, the tournament team, it is what it is. But yeah, there were definitely you know, some additional girls that were deserving of, of being recognized for their efforts in it, that's for sure. Or at least an honorable mention. Yeah. Like, give me an honorable mention category to vote on. That would literally, that would make me happy. That would shut me up. Okay, let's talk NDSU in the WMIT. Uh, Did not win the bidding war. Did no not. Summit League school will ever win a bidding war um, against an Oregon team. Again, no. as stated by Eric Mucky, he is probably correct about that well and that you know that's the unfortunate part is i don't know i don't know how the bidding process works if they take the bid into effect before the matchup or you know do they take okay here's everybody's bid the top 16 host or do they make the matchups 
and then go, okay, well, this one bit higher than that team, so they get to host. Because I know they also regionalize it heavy too. So I don't know if they take the 16 top bids and then apply regional after that or or what. Because I know I talked to Matt Larson. He did bid more than the minimum. Um, right. And there's some teams hosting, like Green Bay's hosting. I can't imagine they bid more than the minimum. Um, so riddle me this, though. We regionalize the hell out of it, but we will send every Midwestern team to one of the coasts. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Well, I, technically, we're kind of, I mean, we're, because that's the other part. Like, what about us in Green Bay? That's fairly close. We probably, Correct. We probably outbid them. Why can't we host them? Uh, exactly. Nebraska, Lincoln's co- way closer than Eugene, Oregon is, but we're not playing them and maybe could have outbid them. So um, Kansas State, you know, isn't terribly far away. So yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how how they really do that process, but um, yeah, it was a little disappointing. I was I was waiting and waiting and waiting for the bracket coming out, hoping I was going to get to attend one more game in person. And so we were playing Oregon. I was like, well, we're not hosting that one because they can throw all the money in the world at it. So um, and after they're throttling at the hands in 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 the great state of South Dakota a couple of years ago, they're yeah they're not going to lose a bid in the WNIT ever again. So. Tough, tough draw, um, tough matchup. Uh, Talent-wise, I think NDSU matches up fairly well. Uh, size-wise, is going to be a bit of a problem. Oregon runs a couple of centers out there that are 6'8 and 6'7. So um, they haven't seen a team like that all season. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Banky has trouble staying out of foul trouble against players her own size or smaller. So it'll be really interesting to see how NDSU does that. They go zone. Uh, they've done that throughout the year a little bit. I don't think Oregon shoots the ball at a terribly high clip from three. Um, so that might be the way to do it. Um, but yeah, they got a 6-3 wing, kind of a similar player to, to L. Evans. Uh, so they should match up fairly well. Um, but yeah, it's just 6-8 six, six, starting center and a 6-7 backup center off the bench. is a That's a load for... Uh, a program that doesn't have anybody taller than six three on it, so it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup, that's for sure. That game is at nine p.m. Central Time. Correct. Um, will be should be free on the Pac twelve network. I did open up the link earlier um, to the Oregon live stream, and it was not paywalled. So. Yeah, NDSU think, fans should be able to watch that. Yep, and most of the time the Pac-12 network is free uh, to stream or uh, Fubo TV and uh, YouTube TV, I think, also include it in their packages. So should be able to watch on any of those options. Uh, and hope that the girls go out there and play play great. I'm hoping for... I'm hoping for a 30-point game from Abby Graham. She's from Portland. Oregon didn't want her. Um, I, I'd love to just see her go out there and throw up a just a 30, 30 burger on them just to say, hey, remember remember when I played high school ball in your state and you, you didn't want to Remember me? me? I, think, I think it'd be awesome. And I think that's what NDC is going to need somebody to go off uh, to win that game, whether it's Hamling or anybody else. Um, they're going to need a big performance, and I'd, I'd love to see it from Abby Graham in her home state. That'd be just phenomenal. Her, her her story was pretty unique 
um, I interviewed her the last week of right, right before the Summer League tournament. I had her on my podcast, uh, Thundering Her Hoops podcast, for anybody that didn't catch it the last time I was on. But Shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, but she had some offers. I know she had calls from Oregon, Washington, Washington State, um, a couple of California, so I think Cal, um, and I think even like Colorado were kind of interested in her as a sophomore. And um, she got some offers from regional programs like Eastern Washington, a few other ones, but she was waiting for one of those big schools to offer her. And then COVID hit, and then the transfer portal came in. And all of a sudden, all those big schools that were talking to her going into her junior and senior year let off the gas. And in the meantime, all those other schools filled those scholarship spots before her senior year. And so she was kind of left with nothing. And so um, she had kind of put herself in a bind waiting for a better offer. And then lo and behold, she had a, a coach kind of sending out tapes on her behalf. And one got to, to Jory, well, to Dylan, and then into Jory's hands at NDSU. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll take you 100%. So she came out on a visit and, and uh, she said she was going to sign on the line while she was here, but her parents made her come home and, <laughs> and think about it for a couple of days. And think about it, yeah. Before committing. But, uh, yeah, it was a really unique story because I saw in her recruiting profile, you know, that she had preliminary discussions with all these big schools and then her actual offers came from from some, you know, mid-majors and she was waiting, kind of waiting. She wanted to play at a big big D1 program, and while she was waiting, the world fell apart around us, and uh, everything else went away for her, so really unique story. Would love to see her have a huge game against Oregon in her home state. Yeah, I'm excited to um, to see that. I don't, I'll be following on my phone, but like we said, everyone plays at the same time, so it's going to be or not, I guess not quite not the same quite time. The same time UND but within plays, a couple hours with each other, yeah. Yeah. UND plays at four central. Um Jacks play thirty minutes after the Virginia Tech game. Yeah. One that's gonna be I'm not really sure. Virginia um, Tech game starts at six. So that six? Central? I but it can't be. The email I got said that they were gonna start handing out media creds three hours before the first game and they're doing that at two thirty. Oh yeah. This, so SDSU I'm wondering if the tech on the on the ESPN app it shows at seven. So they must start at four thirty. Seven local. Yeah. So they must start at four thirty central. Four thirty. And then SDSU will be after that one. So after that, so yeah. yeah. And that's okay. on so ESPN. Eight o'clock. So seven central, eight o'clock your time on ESPN yep. news. I believe. So we have Four central, approximately seven central, and nine central. Yep. So, so actually, if should, you're in the, we should be able to catch. You all should of them. be able to get them all in. Yeah. Yeah, I will not be getting them all in because I will be at the media buffet <laughs> before I am on the media row. <laughs> um, but yeah, it better be good food. I'm super excited. Honestly, I'm just happy to be there though. Like the fact when I got that approval email. I may have cried a bit. Yeah, I, w- I would have. Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty surprised. I thought they were going to be like, um, no, who are you? <laughs> you know, and... And also, do you want to know how I know I made it big? Not only did I get the credential, they approved me for a parking pass. 
Well, that's... Let's go. <laughs> you don't have to pay. That'd been more expensive probably than to get in, knowing some of those stadiums and just a park. Probably I'm swinging with the big boys now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also, both those sessions are sold out, I am told. Oh, I don't know idea. if that's official, but I someone said that in the group chat or not. Maybe Steve said it on Twitter, I think. Um. But yeah. So it should be a good environment there. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about North Dakota and Cal Baptist first. North that, Dakota. That <laughs> we, already, we already did first. Well, I meant, like, I meant prior to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. I don't teach math. I teach public speaking. Oh, so. got you. All right. Yeah, so yeah. UND Cal Baptist. Uh, a game from what I looked at. I think UND should should win. I, I don't see any reason for them not to come out of there with a W. Cal Baptist, like some of the stats, like some of the scores, they're not they're not going to outsize them. They're not going to outshoot them. Um, UND just needs to take care of the basketball and make their shots, and I I think they'll be all right in that one. I think so too. I do think. Um, I mean, I looked at some whack stats. And Brittany Thomas is leading the whack in rebounds per game. She's also leading the whack in field goal percentage at 66.5. And Sydney Palma is leading the whack in three-point percentage. So they do have some leaders, but it's also the whack. Right. So it's probably fine. Well, yeah. And she's, I mean, she's uh, the girl that's leading rebounding in field goal percentage. I think she's only 6'1". So it's not like she's, you know, 6'4", 6'5", dominating on the inside you know, rebounding yeah. and, and shooting percentage. So uh, that's where UID would get in trouble because they, you know, they can't match up necessarily big size-wise inside, but they're 6'1 and 6'2 posts all over the Summit League. So it's not a, it's not, and everybody in the Summit League can, has at least a couple of guards that can shoot. So none of, nothing that Cal Baptist brings uh, to that tournament is something that should catch UND off guard uh, from what they've played in the Summit League. I agree. Um, I want Casey to be patient. I want her to not get frustrated. I want her to not force it. She's a damn good basketball player. And I think she just needs to let herself be a damn good basketball player. Yeah, she gets in her own head quite a bit. Um, That happened when UND played at NDSU in the first game. She wasn't getting some shots to fall early. She started forcing it. And then she's turning it over. She's taking bad shots when she's got teammates open and some of that stuff. So definitely uh, she's got all the talent in the world, but she gets in her own way a little bit sometimes. So if she lets the game come to her, you know, make the open pass, run the offense, do the things that made you successful in the games that you won, uh, and most importantly, take care of the basketball. Don't don't force things. Um, they, should, they should be fine. I just know that her teammates trust her, right? Like, that's something I got from the from my interview with Mal is, like, of course they don't put that on her to be the the star or whatever, but, like, they all know that she can run the offense, and they're all they're all behind her. So I think she just needs to Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing that. is that her teammates are 100% behind her and, you know, there to help, but they also, like, she they're also encouraging of her and not – asking her to do too much. Uh, it's, right. it's her. It, it's all her when she, you know, starts playing out of her comfort zone and starts to force things. That's just her trying to, if something's not going right, it's her trying to fix it herself instead of, you know, fixing it within within the rest of the offense. And um, 
she's got the talent to do that. If you start passing and moving the ball, you're the best player. You pump fake, drive, and kick, you're going to have a wide-open teammate. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to pump, kick, drive, and throw up an off-balance shot and hope for a follow and, you know, do that kind of thing. So, um, But also, I wonder why that continues to happen, though. Like, I, it's not the – like, I don't feel like her teammates aren't stepping up, but there's some, like, change or adjustment that's not being made. That like that it continue because it shouldn't be continuing to happen. No, I think she. I think she. I just honestly think she puts it on herself, and I don't think Mallory takes her out of the game to give her a second to cool off. Is part part of the issue. Um, you know, I I've coached not anything nearly Division One college basketball, mostly middle and high school traveling. But when you get a player that's starting to force things, the best thing you can do is pull them out of the game for two minutes and just say, hey, like look, we're still playing basketball. The team's still executing without you on the floor. Now, when I put you back out there, keep doing those same things. It's not, you don't have to do everything. Um, right. I know there's timeouts to try and tell her that, but if she doesn't actually take a second to sit and watch and go, all right, yeah, I, you know, and maybe even just see what the offense is looking like. You know, if you got a teammate that's in your position that drives and instead of throwing up a shot and dishes to an open teammate, she's like, oh, yeah, that is there. You know, just kind of one of those just quick adjust, like, mental resets. Um, but when she plays 38 minutes a game, you're in the game the whole time. You're looking at it from the, your point of view, and you're not really seeing anything else. And so, Right, that's what I was going to say. You can only see what you see on the court, and until you see it off the court, like, it's that's the only perspective you're going to have. Yeah, and you should – at this point in the season, it should have been corrected through film. It should be corrected through practice reps. It should be corrected through a lot of things. But uh, so it's just, I think it's just that mentality of her being that player that wants to do everything and wants to will her team to be successful. And sometimes that, you know, you just can't coach that out of somebody and you just have to do the best you can to keep her comfortable in, in the offense and, and doing the right thing. Well, and that was like to go on the men's side for just a hot minute. That was a problem that I personally saw. I don't know if anyone else would agree um, with the SDSU men at the beginning of the year was we lost Doug and, and, you know, lost some talent. And it's like everyone at the beginning of the year was like, they have to be that guy. Zeke was like that. Alex was like that. Matt Dentlinger was like that. Right. And then Luke Apple got hurt and so on and so forth. And it just took a while for everyone to calm down and be like, oh, we can be that team without that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and then when we played you guys in the tournament, it got a little bit like that again. You know, Alex was taking a lot of shots that I personally wish he hadn't taken. He also was making more shots than anyone else. So, okay, fine. Go off. Um, Zeke was in his head, I think, or was, was forcing, you know, and it's like, it's nothing was going in weren't happy with some of the calls. And even then we were taking, here's the thing is like, you guys played so well. We literally were taking the same freaking shots that you were taking. Yeah. You take a pull-up jumper, drain it. We take a pull-up junker, brick it. Like it literally just but the, nothing was going in the, the The big difference is that that 15 foot pull-up jumper is the shot that our guys were executing all season. And it's not the shot that SPC right. was executing all season. They were. Right. And I know Dave had, we talked about it, you know, the week going into it, that if they played SDSU, they had some defensive adjustments. They were going to try to force SDSU into some things they're not comfortable with. And they, they did. They succeeded in that because, you know, if Aaron just scored 20, what, I don't know what he had, 21, 24 points, whatever it was, like, 
okay. Like you're obviously if if Zeke's got I don't know what he finished with, but it was if it was double digits, it wasn't it wasn't over by much. And after he went for forty one in the last game, you know, we got the bigs to handle, you know, Detlinger. Um it was, you know, stop Zeke Mayo, make somebody else be uh Arians did his best, but he just his damnedest, yeah. yeah. He, he gave it everything he had. He just wasn't enough by himself to get the job done, and that was that was kind of the difference in that game. Was NDSU continued to execute offensively, and SDSU was getting one shot. They were getting that fifteen to seventeen foot jumper, and they just they weren't going in. They weren't getting open threes. All the threes were contested, um, and they their NDSU was forcing them to dribble by you know, and, and take the full up jumper. And if you're not shooting that all season, it, it's a tough thing to continue to execute possession after possession. And then not to get too far into this, but you guys turned around and played like we did the next night. Yeah. It was literal were, same situation. They were so gassed. I, you could just see it. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a lack of effort. It wasn't necessarily a lack of, execution as far as the game plan it was a lack of being able to execute the game plan it was they just they couldn't get to the closeouts they didn't have the energy to box out you know a 7-5 van over they didn't like they just weren't getting to their spots when they needed to and three get that's what three games in three days will do to you and you know that that when you, you can play like that Against a team that's not Oral Roberts, but you can't play like that against Oral Roberts and and expect right. to get a W, especially the way they came out. They were there was I don't care who was playing them. Oral Roberts wasn't losing that game. They were shooting the lights out, and if they missed, they got the rebound and they put it back in. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and you know, guys came out in the second half, found a little juice in the tank, gave it a little run, but it was it it, it was hopeless at that yeah. point. Um, but um. Speaking of Oral Roberts, I want to jump. So let's get us back on the women's side. I know this is my fault because I took us here. Back <laughs> to the women's side. I do want to talk briefly about the Oral Roberts SDSU game in the tournament. Um, I know that SDSU did end up steamrolling them. However, and it honestly, it bothers me a little bit that some people, SDSU fans or not, are just like, well, you can't press for 40 minutes two days in a row. Like, I hear you, but at the same time, ORU almost executed their game plan. Here's the thing that bothers me about those people that say that. They're not in the pressers, right? Or watching them. They don't go back and watch the pressers. Kelsey sat there and said, our plan obviously was to wear them out. And then she goes, and we did that, right? Maya took a couple shots in the third and fourth quarter, short, mad short. And that was the goal. Kelsey was like, we wanted them to get gassed and start taking short shots. And they did that. And she said, where we failed was just the the final, like, 10% of the execution of the game plan. We were almost there. But she was like, where we failed was getting those rebounds. Mm-hmm. Had they gotten those rebounds on those short shots, it would have been a game. I'm telling you right now. They just did it. They didn't. SCSU did a good job of second-chance shots, getting their offensive rebounds. Oral Roberts was not able to grab those. Well, but they did start to. And Well, and here's the thing. SCSU is just so deep. You can't wear them out, right? But they started. They already yeah. did what they wanted to do they just couldn't quite complete it yeah and they're deep and the you can wear them out to an extent but the problem really with trying to do that for, against SDSU is 
you're also gassing yourself to the same amount and they're deeper than you Correct. are and they're more talented Correct. than you are. So when you're both trying to execute tired, they're still going to be better than you are. And so it gets that's, sloppy. Yep. That's just, they're going to play better sloppy than you do. The, the other thing is, the other, and it was, I think it was a bold strategy and I think it was the correct strategy because not many players on SDSU's team have played more than 25, 26 minutes a game this season because they are so deep. So, and especially not being pressed. Either. Right. Exactly. So those, like Aaron it, even said, we just haven't seen a pre- Like we just do. Just teams don't do that. Yeah. We haven't seen it. Well, it's because their guards are so solid that you, if you press them, they get by you. And all of a sudden you're, you can't stop them when you're five on five. Now you're going to go four on five and expect, you know, to stop them in a, in a transition game. There, there's no way. I mean, you're, you're going to leave happen. a wide open corner three for somebody that they're just going to bury you. And so uh, you have to have the speed and you have to have the quickness to get back. And then you have to be able to go deep enough into the bench to keep that up for 40 minutes. And they tried their best. They gave, they were there the whole game start to finish, but they just, like you said, they didn't have enough gas in the tank to rebound and then to keep making shots on the other end themselves. And that was, that was the difference, but valiant effort. I mean, they went undefeated in conference play for a reason. You got to try something different. I mean, you, you whatever whatever game plans you can come up with, and that was one of them. And, and you know, kudos to them for making it a battle for 30, 30 20, 28, 30 minutes or whatever that game that they did. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I know I bashed on ORU for the let's change the culture, but that was more as far as the like people actually going to games and, and not really marketing that. Um, but as far as the culture on the team and the style of play, like one thing that Misty didn't really do was make a whole lot of adjustments. They just continued to play their game. Yeah. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. Kelsey came in here and said, that didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. Let's try this. Right. And just, it's, it's been totally different. Well, and um, all you got to do is look at Hannah Cooper. I mean, take a coach that, you know, realized what she had in a player from one season to the next and rebuilt the offense and the game plan around her skill set, And she goes from averaging six points a game to 23 points a game and leading the league in scoring like that. That's fantastic coaching. That's taking, absolutely instead of enforcing your system upon the players that you have that's taking you know your system and modifying it to fit the talent that you do have and especially in your first couple years it's not all your recruits it's not all you know everybody that you've brought in it's not necessarily how you want to build it so you have to be adaptable and and i think she did a fantastic job uh that this season yeah well and she talked in her um the last thing they posted on Twitter, like from the tournament, was just a video from the locker room. And she talked about it brought me to tears a little bit. She's just freaking wise. But she talked about laying the foundation and what they wanted to do was lay the foundation for a, a culture shift and like a new, you know, identity. Right. And she was like, you know, when you're a senior, like sometimes you don't get to reap the benefits at the beginning, but you were part of the foundation and that's okay. And I literally was like, like, it was just so, it was so good. Like, I just, I I don't know. When you put as much time into the league as I do, you really get, like, emotionally invested. I cried in the Kansas City press conference, but, like, I don't care. That's who I am. Take me or leave me. Uh, But I thought it was a really good video, and it kind of gave a little insight to, like, what you might see or hear from her in the locker room, and I thought that was really cool. One more thing on ORU. I only 
have heard this from one source. I did a little digging and couldn't find anything. Um, but the same source that you heard it from this morning, that the more twinsies are in the portal. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was super busy today, so I didn't dig into it to try and find and look in the actual portal. But I feel like that source was probably accurate on Twitter that, that it happened. And if so, that's a com- complete bummer. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't like it, but if it was coaching change, if it was whatever, I don't know. I, the problem is one sister's not playing and it's because she's not as talented, nearly as talented than the other one. If they both want to want the same amount of playing time, they're going to have to make a lateral or a down move. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, and I don't know where they're from. Where are they from? Is, is they're from OKC. Oh, so they're not far from home. It's not like they're trying to no. get back home or anything like that. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's a more of a Hostrider brothers situation, like on the men's side, where you got you know Sam went full ride to NDSU and and his brother walked on at SDSU. I feel like they should go their separate ways because Teresa's power six conference. Player, I mean, she can go play somewhere. Tirza is so good, bro. Yeah, uh, Ryan Cobbins went. Tirza is Al- legitimately so you good. You know, Ryan Cobbins went to Alabama. I feel like Tirza is a very similar player and style, and you know, maybe even a, a little bit better um, than Ryan was. So you know, she can make it, but her sister isn't going to make it on that team. So you know, Trinity. Well, I think one of the things that ORU is, I don't think that Trinity. Where Trinity's game is at right now, I don't think she fit into the system that Kelsey wanted to run as well as like last year. Trinity fit into the system, yeah, that Missy was running, and this year it just didn't, it just like didn't match up. But I do think, like, I want to make it clear that we're not bashing Trin. No, like, she no, she's talented. just she's a talented player. She can play in the Summit League. I mean, she. I think you know we just talked about coach adapting the system. Obviously, if she comes up another year and proves her game a little bit, there's going to be a spot in the rotation for it. But if yeah, they're absolutely. going to transfer, you know, it, I don't want her to hold her sister back. You know, that's like, Teresa can go do some pretty awesome things. And, you know, and Trinity is, is a mid-major player. She's a solid mid-major player, but she's she doesn't have the talent to make a P6 roster. And so, you know, I, I hate that for ORU, but it could be other things. I it's, Maybe it's not just the playing type. It thing. could. That's the other thing. Like, you know, we, we don't know. We but. don't know. So, um, did just want to throw that out there for anyone wondering about Tirza and Trinity Moore. Uh, we think they're in the transfer portal with the one source that we have. We think that source is, I mean, that source is typically accurate. So, we think, um, yeah. we think that it is. It's but sad, we'll keep you posted. She's leaving. That's a quality player leaving the league and two quality players really leaving the league. So, you never, never want to see that happen. Do you know what, though? Like, I don't. I don't want them to go. However, I think that some people are going to be surprised how good ORU still is without Tirza. Well, and that she didn't do a heck of a lot against NDS. As much as she, she didn't do as much as she did last year. No. And remember she was hurt at the beginning of the season. Um, And the system was different, right? It's kind of like, kind of like SDSU when you're, when you're running a system like SDSU is, and you're that deep, you don't score as much. And I think that Tirza fell into one of those roles where, her spot on the court was so crucial 
but her job on the court was not necessarily to score as many points as she did last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't like she's less talented or wasn't the player that she was last year. She just had a different role on the team. And so that, that can be as simple as, no, I, I want the ball in my hands more. I don't like this system. That's totally acceptable <laughs> as well. So, and like, but like see, said, without, you never know. That could not even be the tip of the iceberg of the issue. You have no idea right. what it is. So, I don't like this. I feel like she would. Right. I same. I feel like she would work back into a higher scoring role next year with Ariel Walker gone. I agree. Um, Ruthie has been a really good addition. She's she. I Um, love Ruthie. So (laughs) like, I think they had a really, really solid five or six players at the top of their rotation. If, if the more, more sisters are back and, um, so it'd be definitely unfortunate for them if they leave, but I, with Ruthie and Anna Cooper and, you know, the rest of the team that they do every turning, I think they're going to be still okay. Yeah. Um, other transfers, Akili Felici from Omaha has two years left and is in the portal. That's, I think it that I've heard of That's all I've seen so far yeah. on the women's side. But of course, we got three teams still playing, so there's also there's also that. Correct. However, those teams, I don't see anything shady or any transferring I, happening. I don't. I, I, we could be surprised. I certainly didn't see the more sisters going anywhere, but right. I don't think. I think the three teams that are in the postseason are um are are solid where they're at. So, okay, let's discuss South Dakota State. And Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk uh, SDSU making it to the Elite Eight. Like I haven't picked in my bracket. Like, yeah. Oh, so something I want to point out. Um, if anyone knows who Kelly Gramlich is or doesn't, go follow her on Twitter. Great follow. Super smart. Um, played at Clemson. Now with ACC Network. That's why I follow her. She made three brackets and posted them on Twitter. She did one based on the net. That one has SDSU losing tomorrow. She did one based on her hoop stats. That one has SDSU winning tomorrow. She did one based on nationwide rebounding. And that one has SDSU going to the Elite Eight. That's the one I like. Yeah. Let's go with the rebounding stats. Uh, it's, it's rebounding, it's efficiency, and I think depth. The net, the net in the women's is is really tough to um, put a lot of... The net is a joke everywhere. That's all Yeah, but it's even more so in the women's game because of how much the Power 5 conferences shift. Like, this, just the schedule alone shifts so much to make it yeah. heavy in the net. So, uh, mid-major schools get zero love in the net unless you play a ridiculous out-of-conference schedule. And they get zero love. So they did. Yeah, so net, they just didn't win as many games as they needed right, to. So they're not, they're not still, like, I don't remember what it was at, 28? I mean, they're still up there. Um, but, you know, I looked into USC. I wasn't terribly impressed by anything I saw that would keep SDSU from winning tomorrow. They're they're good. They're zero and two on neutral floors. Yep. <laughs> so that's something. And they were their last. I think they're only like six and four or seven and three in their last ten. I mean, they're not. They're not spiking. They're not super hot at right now. Um, 
you know, they're not hot away from home. They're six and five on the road. Yeah. So, uh, and they're, I mean, and they're traveling cross country. So that's not an easy trip. Um, I don't, I, not to mention that if they did get to the 16, they have to go back to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> this whole cross country beat. We regionalize. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you really don't. Well, they do for the top four seats. They, they regionalize. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. For the, for the NCAA tournament. The NIT is completely regionalized. They see the teams and then whoever you get matched up against is whatever the closest school to you is or NDSU or, you know, whatever. Whatever Midwest school needs to go to a coast in order to make it work. That's pretty much how, yeah. how it works out. But yeah, no, I have them. I have them winning. Uh, I think they'll. I want to be bold. I think they win by double digits tomorrow. I think they win by like eleven. I really do. I I can see that eleven thirteen ish. Yeah. I really do, and uh, for no other reason other than USC also looks like they're a fairly young team, and. SDSU's obviously got a boatload of experience. So And they've been playing together. And and their freshmen and sophomores play like they had a boatload of experience. Right. Yep. And they fit, you know, they've AJ's been there forever. His system hasn't changed. He recruits players that fit it. So it's not like they're, you know, adapting to a new system. You know, he recruited those players to play those positions in that system because he's had it in place forever. So that helps uh with that. So I think the experience, I think you know, rebounding, I think that just their depth uh, and, of course, less travel all helps. I think they win, and I think I, I think they win by 11. Um, I also have them beating Virginia Tech on Sunday. Um, that'll be a tight game. So, Virginia, yeah. Virginia Tech mm-hmm. is fantastic, but they're, I think, overseeded. I, I think they should have been they on are. the two-line. Um which was great for SDSU because the, I think I would rather, if I'm SDSU, I'd rather play Virginia Tech than any other teams that are on the two line for sure. Correct. Um, Correct. In the tournament. Um, so. And I know that, I know that everyone is like, first of all, the whole group chat bringing up Virginia Tech and then I chime in on it. And then you guys are like, well, you have to get past USC first. You guys brought up Virginia Tech. Yeah. So don't make me look stupid, <laughs> first of all. Secondly, I've seen Virginia Tech lose to Clemson. And I know that Clemson did not make the tournament because <laughs> horrible losses on both the men's and women's side. However, the Clemson women are also fairly young, okay? They still beat Virginia Tech. And I have seen how Virginia Tech plays when they don't play well. And I promise you that's like – it, it's I if Virginia Tech does not come out and be the Virginia Tech they know how to be the Jacks will roll them not roll 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 but like they'll roll them yep. if Virginia Win. Tech has a really good day I think it's a tight game and I think SDSU still wins if Virginia Tech has an okay day or worse I think SDSU wins by 11 yeah the sneaky thing with them obviously is the home court advantage will have being the top seed in the region and they're playing Correct. close to home so um there is there is that factor um uh, again i don't i don't follow women's basketball nearly as closely as i do men's on a national scale but from what i watched what i've seen what i have read you know what i looked into today when i was filling out my women's bracket and checking net scores and um you know some efficiencies and everything else i do not think it's out of the realm of the possibility at all for 
uh, SDSU to beat Virginia Tech, and then their road to the Elite Eight because they would have the one seed path is probably a, another team that they they match up against that that isn't nearly as difficult as they would be if they were in a different seed line. So there's pros and cons, obviously, to to being in that eight nine. Yeah. Um, well, and, and or same as seven. You 10. also have to. The one thing historically that plagues SDSU is physicality. And it's not that SDSU can't do it. It's that the summit is not extremely physical. It's more intelligent IQ basketball until maybe not so much this year, but historically like SDSU was not super physical until they would play USD because Hannah Sherman ran that team and they have to be Mm -hmm. right. And Don ran a physical game. Um, And then we'd get to Sioux Falls and it would be like, what's a foul? What's not a foul? And that's not just an SDSU thing. That's everything that happened to USD too. Um, But it just was so different. Right. And so then, and that's, that's another thing that I wasn't even going to talk about. The way games are called in the summit league. It's way too, it's way too touchy. SDSU didn't get a lot of, they, well that, but they also didn't get a lot of fouls called on them. And I think that things that they get away with are going to be called fouls in the NCAA tournament and things that they normally don't get away with are like, it's, I just think it's, and they're going to play, if they beat USC, they're going to play an ACC team. Yeah. Right. And I don't think that the ACC is the most physical conference, but it's still a power five and Virginia tech is still going to be more physical than anything we've seen this year with the exception of South Carolina. And it'll be interesting to see because I feel from women's basketball that I've watched outside of the summit league, the Summit League is officiated much tougher. I don't think it's necessarily a knock on the physicality of teams in the Summit League. I don't think they're allowed to be physical in in league. Correct. They, it's, games are officiated too tight. Um, you know, you lean on a player a little bit, you're getting called for a foul. You, you know, look, they call hand checks all the time. Um, you know, they call block 90% of the time when half of them are charges. And so a lot of that physicality that you would like to coach and like to play, you can't in this league because the officiating crews that they have call it a little too tight. So if they have a crew that calls it that way, it's going to be the SDSU's advantage because the other team's going to get in foul trouble. And SDSU is fantastic at shooting free throws. If they let them play and let them get physical and SDSU doesn't get to the free throw line, that's where they get in trouble. So It'll be a lot of it's going to come down to how the game is called. If if they let a very physical brand of basketball go and SDSU has to switch back to playing some of that, I don't know if they can do it on the fly, you know, when they're not shooting 30 free throws a game. So it'll be a lot of it's going to come down to how, how the game's called uh, in the tournament for sure. For sure, I think they can adapt to beat USC regardless of how it's called, but Virginia Tech's going to be a whole other animal. I mean, you're not going to go in and beat a one seed if it's not a style of play that you're accustomed to that you're yeah yeah yeah. um one thing I want to like just bring up (laughs) because when I was sitting um like in the press row there's obviously fans right behind me in the first row most of them were wearing a particular color um but regardless of of the color they were wearing I heard a lot of stuff this weekend about like even in the men's when I wasn't even working right I would hear people be like oh like, his feet were not set. Like, it's not a charge. Let me tell you something, especially in the women's game. If you lower your shoulder, launch like targeting in football, 
you are getting called for an offensive foul. Mm-hmm. I don't care if their feet were set or not. I don't care if they were the primary defender or not. You will get called every single time, especially in the NCAA tournament. As I think, I don't, I guess I don't know how they're going to officiate, but that's one thing that's been really growing in the women's game is any sort of, um, like if, if you initiate the contact and you lower your shoulder, push too hard, whatever it is, you're getting called for the charge. So don't get pissy this weekend, especially SDSU fans, because I Maya's going to get called for a charge that you're going to think was not a charge when she put her head down and rammed the, the bull's horns. Yeah. I've watched, that's that's a charge. I've watched I'm just a, letting you know. Well, I, and she I, and she knows that, right? But she's gonna do it to see like what she how can the and can't get away with. Yeah, and you Correct. you have to. Yes. And she's yeah. I've watched a boatload of college basketball. Obviously, way more on the men's than the women's side, just because what I cover. But um, that's pretty universal. I, I've seen it across all conferences, across you know every level of play. Um, that those calls are being called the same. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's men's, it doesn't matter if it's women's, it doesn't matter, like you said, primary defender, secondary defender coming over to try and take a charge. If you go in and you throw that shoulder down, you duck your head, and then chuck a ball up, uh, you're not – I am back. Did you get kicked out, buddy? It said the server connection was terminated. I didn't do anything. I saw – literally, I can see, like, me right here on the screen and you right here, and you just went – and you were gone, and I was like, eh. It just okay. went, boop, and it went, server connection terminated. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll wow, join it. Then it just gave me the option to reconnect. I was like, okay, I'll reconnect. But Yeah, I actually I, um, terminated your contract. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. You're supposed to do that on like a Brad Friday. Like Brad Brownell should be? What? Yeah. No, no, you're supposed to do that on a Friday, not a Wednesday. What are we doing here? Now i got to figure out what to do with the rest of my week. Oh. Do you think Clemson would hire Paul Mills if we fired Brad Brownell? No, I don't think he's leaving the South. I don't think he is. I, well, Clemson's still the South. It's just not like South Central. No, like the Deep South. Paul Mills is a Deep South kind of guy. I don't. I don't think he's leaving the the. Uh, well, do you think? Probably... I'll tell you. I had an interesting conversation the other day. I have a very close friend um, who lives in Wichita. And he has been wanting their coach at state to get canned. And they gave him the can the other day. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm, I don't know. Do you think he'd come to Wichita State? And I was like, mm, I don't know. I suppose we can find out. Wichita. I think it'd be a good job for him. I mean, they've been in the tournament, what, 10 of the last 12 years? I don't. Yeah, I don't know if Mills leaves for. I mean, Wichita coach gets played pretty well. They See, that's get... what I said. I said, in some ways, I think it's a bit not lateral, but not longitudinal. It's not know. It's not as big of a jump as I think he would like to make. Correct. That's what that I way. said. So yeah. I, I would think, you know, Texas Tech is an opening that you'd keep an eye on. Um SMU is not open, but that's also, you know, a Christian college, which is, he's pretty deep rooted in. Like if they ever had a change, I think that's something he'd look heavy into. Um, if Texas does not give their interim coach 
the job and they try to poach like Calvin Sampson from Houston or, you know, somebody else in that area, Oklahoma, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, one of those jobs I think would be what he's after. Now, Wichita, I think they moved to the American conference, I believe. They are in the American. So I'm sure he's only making like 200 K plus, you know, appearances. I think he's around $300,000 at, at ORU. You're probably looking at 750 to a million at Wichita state. So I could be intrigued to make that move, but whether or not that's a big enough move and it's in Wichita, Kansas. So there's, there's that. I don't, there's that. I don't know. I just wanted to get your, your perspective on that because I was talking to Aaron about it. And I, at first I was like, I think it's lateral. And Aaron was very adamant that it's not a lateral move. And I was like, it's it's not longitudinal. Yeah. It's it's, the Americans. I mean, it's a power six conference, you know, you get multiple tournament bids. Um, It's you're playing some big programs night in and night out. You get really good out of conference scheduling. So Everything that Paul Mills likes um, would be available to him, and which I stay plus a two, two and a half times pay raise. So I could, I could see it happening. I think he wants bigger. Uh, I think he's comfortable at ORU staying if he doesn't get bigger than that. But you know, it, it'd be interesting. It'd be, it'd be a move to a Power Six conference, and I think with well, all this, all this BSing about uh, about the Summit League, that might be something that for- would just get him to move. Oh, also, I guess I don't – was it you that was telling me about um, somebody asked the – oh, no, 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 I saw it on Twitter. I know we have mixed feelings about Zach Borg, not me personally, but other people. Um, but I think it was him that posted on Twitter that he – because those girls had the sign at the ORU game that said bring the tournament back to Tulsa, and he went up to them and literally was like, do you think you would draw a sellout crowd for the for the women? And they boldface said yes. And I was like, neither one of you has been to a women's game all year. Yeah. Because literally 270 people go to women's games. If yeah. if that. that. And I think that's wrong. I think that's literally a straight up sin because the women are so good. Um, but yeah, I just like boldface to say that, like, no, thank you. And I know well, it's bias coming from me as an SDSU fan, but also literally put the tournament in Tulsa. We will still out travel you. Yeah. We will. My my issue with with the whole Tulsa situation is like, oh, we'd sell this place out. You didn't even you didn't even sell out the games you claimed you sold out. There were multiple games where they were giving out tickets, like sign up for a free family for four packs so yeah. they could pack the major center. Like you don't sell it out if you give them away. Like we we'll sell out the shack week in and week out if we just give the tickets away every week, but that's not a profitable way to do do college athletics. So you piss off your season ticket holders because you're giving away tickets to people that you know, don't commit to a full season. I mean, it, it's a mess to do that. So, yeah, it, would they sell out a home tournament game? Absolutely, I, I don't doubt that. But the women's games would be filled with blue and red, regardless of whether it's in Tulsa Correct. or whether it's in Sioux Falls. Um, so, yeah, no, I it's it's in a good spot. I like it. The only market that would be better for it would be maybe the twin cities just because of the size of the market, but there's not a good place for it in Minneapolis. Correct. Well, so I've had extensive conversations about this, right? 
There's not a good place for it in Minneapolis, but I wouldn't hate it being there. And I don't think I, like people are going to be pissed if they ever move it from Sioux Falls. But I don't think Minneapolis is a bad solution, right? I don't think Omaha is a bad solution. I don't. But here's the thing. Omaha has a school there, right? There is no, I understand that it's not technically, it's not exactly neutral, but there is no summer league school in Sioux Falls. And if you go to Omaha, like we can't play it at the CHI because it seats what, like 19,000 people? Yeah. Like we're not going to fill that, right? Um, Baxter is too small and it's not a neutral court. Right. We could go to Kansas City and play in the Muni. Like, great. I would love that. Kansas City is what, five hours from Tulsa? Yeah. Six? We will still out travel you. Yeah. Watch us. I, I'll go to the tournament. I don't. I don't really care where they go. I, for all I care, move it to freaking Orlando and let's go enjoy some warm weather while we have the tournament. Let's I'm go. Still, let's play on the beach. But that's yeah, exactly. that's the other thing with like Minneapolis being a, a huge airport hub is it'd be easy for anybody from across the country to get to that tournament to get that there. wanted to go. Sioux Falls is a little tough to get to if you're not driving in the. We region. flew into Omaha. Yeah. We um, saved literally $600 flying into Omaha. Yeah. Well, and you can fly into Minneapolis and drive the five and a half hours too. It, it's not like it's impossible. It's just five and a half. Four and a it's half. Like I don't know how far it is. Three and a half. I have no idea. It's I, not even far. Anyways, um, Paul Mills to Wichita State. All of you media people, basketball fans, you heard it here first. I'm pretty sure nobody else has said that. So you actually heard it on a women's basketball podcast. Um, but I just want it known that we. Sorry, we I put that GTFO. Don't take it, Paul. <laughs> okay. Um, let's kind of wrap up here. So to recap, UND is playing at 4 p.m. Central Time tomorrow. That game, I don't think we discussed. Friday. You do have tomorrow. to pay for. Uh, Friday, sorry. Well, actually, this is gonna be out on Thursday, so tomorrow. Oh, well. Um perfect. We're both right. Um, that game is on Prep Spin. You can Google it or you can go to UND's website. If you Google UND WBB schedule, go down to the game, click on watch. It will take you to Prep Spin. You can pay $10 per game or you can pay $30 for all access. I would suggest you do that because then you can watch the other games. If you pay for three North Dakota games, you're going to pay $30 anyway. So you might as well pay $30 for all the games. Get the all-access. You can watch as many as you want. And North Dakota is guaranteed three games. So there's that for you. They play at 4 p.m. Central on Friday. North Dakota State plays at 9 p.m. Central on Friday um, out in Oregon. That game should be free on the Pac-12 network. We think it usually is free. Jacks play, what Friday. did we say? Seven local. Seven. seven local or 30 minutes after the conclusion um, of the previous game. Of of the I was trying to think who's playing Virginia Tech in chat, I think. Um, yeah. It's probably gonna be the 30 minutes after. I don't see that game. That game starts at 5:30. I don't see it. 5.30 Eastern, I apologize. That game starts at 4.30 for you guys. I don't see it being done at 6.30 to give that 30-minute window. Um, I think it'll the Jacks will probably play at 7.15, maybe I 7.30. I don't think the Virginia Tech games are particularly close, so it should flow pretty, pretty no, well. No, but you never know. Yeah. Like, what's you never know what's going to happen. 
We could have a crazy ass fight like we did when Clemson played Virginia. Some girl literally took a swing at our bag. Like they got tied up. And this Virginia girl literally took a swing. And I was talking to somebody about it at the softball game tonight. And I was like, you know, if that was a men's game, it would have been all over Twitter. But literally nobody said a word about it. <laughs> I did see one I did see one fight in a women's game this year, and that was because the swing made contact. I don't even remember what game it was, but I did see Oh, that this on girl? She had a nasty right hook, but she missed so hard. <laughs> I know Inyang is such a dodger. Dude, she dodged that punch so well. It was great. And honestly, I don't even think she dodged it. I really think the girl just like just whiffed. Missed. She whiffed so hard. Probably. It was a practice swing. Probably in her best interest anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyways, okay. So we've gone through all the games. We talked about the tournament. Any parting thoughts, Brandon? Uh, no, I just think it's awesome that we have three Summit League teams playing postseason basketball that we get to watch uh, this weekend. So that's friggin' awesome. Uh, anything more than two is more than we've had before. So more the merrier. Uh, the nice part, UND gets to showcase three games whether they win them or not. That's the that's probably Correct. the biggest biggest thing for them. Um, NDSU hopefully can get a W. The nice. So technically, they're not out of potentially hosting uh, a game yet, depending on how the games go. But um, highly unlikely at this point because I think yeah. they only do two hosts. Who's on the other? Let me see who's on the other. Um, like who's also in that bracket? Like on that side of the bracket. So Oregon, North Dakota State, um, BYU and Rice. I don't see them outbidding BYU. I could see them outbidding Rice. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I could see that. Because it's it's per round, right? So after NDSU beats Oregon, that next game is up for bid again, right? Yep. Yeah, and I think they bid they already submitted first and second round bids. Um, so all bids are in essentially. And then I don't even see rice being a team that would bid. I feel like honestly, rice is a team that would just be like, put us on the road. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll show up. Well, and it's so weird. If they you, look at, off- you look at the bracket and it's, it's NDSU, it's Oregon, it's Rice, it's BYU, you know, kind of the Utah area. And then all four of the other teams in that quadrant are all California teams. So it's like NDSU yeah. and the Pacific Southwest. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wonder yeah. why we couldn't get in the Nebraska region or the Green Bay region or, you know, the Kansas State region. But no, we're, we're all on the West Coast. Even, oh my gosh, if you look at the other side, um... Columbia and Fairleigh Dickinson are playing in New York. Fordham and Drexel are playing in the Bronx. Seton Hall and St. Joseph's in New Jersey. And then Syracuse and Kent State were up in, in Syracuse. It's all. Yeah. And then Massachusetts, that whole other side of the, the furthest south, that side of the bracket goes is Richmond, Virginia. Everything else is Rhode Island, Amherst, Mass, Cambridge, Mass. Yep. Yeah, no, and they're, like I said, they're very region. And then all your other, you know, you got kind of a, the, the south or whatever, what you want to call it there. They go from 
Green Bay and over to Niagara and then all the way down to, you know, Lake Forest and Clemson. So that one's kind of all Yeah, well, I was just going to say, even, like, even if Clemson wins and loses the bid in the next game, the furthest they'll go is... New Orleans would be pretty far to go to Tulane. Where is Tulane in New Orleans or where is Tulane? Uh, it's in Louisiana. Yeah, I don't think it's New Orleans. I think it's. Uh, I'm blanking on the name. It's not. I don't think it's in New Orleans. It is. It's in New Orleans. Is it? It's in New Orleans. Okay. Yeah, I googled it. Um, and then like if Auburn were to win and Clemson lost the bid, we go to Auburn, Alabama, which is literally five hours. Next game, I mean Wake Forest three and a half hours up the road. Yeah. The one that ticks me off is the, is the Midwest one because like Colorado state is a road team at Northern Iowa. Why isn't Colorado state out West at Oregon? And we could have, you know, correct. You and I or Nebraska. I mean, look at that's all you got Missouri state. It's the Missouri Valley. We could have gone to Missouri state even like, even that is just annoying. Missouri state didn't host, but we could have hosted Missouri state. Right. Right. Texas, Illinois, Missouri. Or if the way they do it, I'm saying, like, if Missouri State did outbid NDSU, and they, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we're why we're not in Missouri or Nebraska or you and I or Kansas, I mean, Kansas in that bracket, all of those make more sense than Oregon. But, hey, you know, you do you at NCAA. We all know you can't get it right anyway, so... Gosh, even freaking Muncie, Indiana to play Ball State. Like, there are so many better options. Yeah. I just can't. This is why, for those of you that are like, why are you always complaining about, like, committees, whether it's the NCAA, whether it's the, well, Triple Crown Sports is a whole other thing, the WNIT, whatever. But it's not a bad tournament. They just don't care about the players. But, you know, that's fine. Um, and they certainly don't care about regionalization like they say they do. So. Well, they, they do as long as it's the teams that they care about. That's correct. That's yeah, exactly. It, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know what? This league is just going to keep making a statement. Yeah. Like Deanna Jackson Durrett said in her last presser, she was like, "This league, they're going to make them look." She's like, "They're that they're going to make the committee take a good hard look, and it's well deserved." And I was like, "Preach." Let's do it. Let's get three W's on Friday, and we'll start with that, and we'll go from there. Let's do it. Jack Sands, if you're coming to Blacksburg, come say hi. Pull me out of the media buffet to come say hi. <laughs> You'll be able to right. snag, her, snag her by by the hair. It's long enough that you can catch her from three, four feet away. So <laughs> literally, you can catch her and drive her if she's passing by. <laughs> I think it's 22 inches. Um, it needs to come out because my real hair is falling out of the extensions. But okay, great. Well, thank you for joining me again, Brandon. Hopefully, we can do this again next week. Um, after three postseason wins. Three dubs. Let's get them and let's do it again. Three dubs. All right. See you later. See you on the Bye-bye. summit.